Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello, feed fanatics and grain geeks. Welcome to another edition of The Grain Feed, brought to you by EverAg. Each week, we bring you updates on the markets with unique perspectives from an amazing team of analysts with the intention of helping livestock feeders and dairy farmers manage risk. I'm Phil Plord, filling in for Jim Matthews, who's on assignment this week. That's the bad news. The good news is that we have two exceptional panelists on board for the ride. First, from somewhere near the DFW Metroplex, Jake Kingsley, Everag's Director of Feed Procurement. Hey, Jake. Good morning, Phil. And second, 80 miles to my west in beautiful Platteville, Wisconsin, we have Mike North, President of Everag's Producer Division and a longtime student of the grain and dairy markets. Hi, Mike. Hey, good morning. Paige, let's go ahead and timestamp this episode. It's 8.30 a.m. Central Time on Thursday, June 15th. Looking at our grain and feed markets, yesterday, nearby corn closed at $6.08 per bushel, up 1% from a week ago. Nearby soybeans, $13.88, up 2%. And soybean meal, $390 per ton, down 4%. Over the course of the past week, We've been digesting the USDA WASDE report that came out last Friday morning. There are some mild surprises in there on the ending stocks figures for corn. Mike, what, what was the big news out of WASDE and, and what caught your attention? So there was a, let's call it a swap that took place between Argentina and Brazil. Small crop keeps getting smaller in Argentina. Big crop keeps getting bigger in uh, Brazil. Two million metric tons moving across the line from Argentina to Brazil, even uh, Argentina with a 25 million metric ton crop. That that hits the smallest estimates that ever got uh, put forward through the season. Uh, Brazil moving to 155 uh, million metric tons, another sizable and record crop coming out of there. Uh, That impacting uh, world balance sheets, uh, coupled with some cuts on the U.S. side of things, uh, where we saw the the U.S. balance sheet move, move north of 300 million bushels. Corn saw a little bit of a cut to old crop exports. Not a big surprise if you've been watching export pace. And then coupled with a change in imports, it left our ending stocks number 35 million bushels higher, which carried over into the new crop balance sheet just in time for us uh, to start having these weather conversations as we head towards summer. So uh, building up a little excess reserve as as we walk into uh, this next phase of the growing season. Yeah, and speaking of the concerns about the crop, new drought map came out this morning. It looked a little crispier uh, for sure in key growing regions of the Midwest. It rained a little bit over the weekend and this week in parts, but not nearly enough to cure the problems. What are we looking at in terms of the weather market today? Well, uh, markets responding in kind to your comments, corn up 13, 14 cents, beans up 25, 26. And it's incredibly evident that as we've walked forward over the last month, we've shrunk the drought stress in terms of its extreme nature in in the Southern Plains, But that seems to have migrated now a little bit north and stretched across a good chunk of the Corn Belt, where the I states now are really starting to come into focus. And with the crop in, you know, as early of a stage as it is, it's not a huge, huge concern at this point, but a growing concern as we work our way into the calendar 
and this crop reach critical reaches critical uh, vegetative development states. So uh, that's what's gaining interest in the marketplace. And certainly with rain in the forecast, everybody's wondering how this is going to play out. So a lot of back and forth, very tenuous trade uh, over the last few days as we trade forecasts and wait to see if this rain that's expected this weekend actually comes to fruition. Yeah. And I mean, when's the tripwire? You know, when you talk about the vegetative development is it, do we have a week? Do we have two weeks? What, what are we talking about here in terms of the critical time window to get some rain? Well, that's been interesting this year because if you followed the planting pace and the germination pace, uh, we were way out of, uh, ahead of schedule. And just as quickly as we got seed in the ground, crop condition scores have fallen to levels that we typically see by the third week of July. And if you understand crop condition scoring, ultimately we generally see it deteriorate through the growing season as it matures, as it you know continues to kind of carry the the, the ongoing baggage of, of, of heat stress and just overall uh, weather strain on the crop. Bottom line, though, is we're at the place today in the third week of or in the second week of June that we would ordinarily be in the third week of July uh, on a normal year. And so as as we look at uh, these next couple of weeks, the real key is going to be, you know, if you're if you're if you're steeped in the agronomy world, this V7 stage is where all the magic starts to happen. That's the node for the where the ear is essentially formed. And as we move from there all the way out into pollination, that's where you ultimately are going to see uh, heat and drought play a bigger role in final yield numbers. And you know, we're 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 quickly getting there by. By this time next week, you'll see a big chunk of the crop crossing that tripwire that you allude to. And as we fast forward through a pollination, if we can, you know, continue this dry, hot type of forecast, it's it's really going to start taking yield off of this crop. However, I always caution everybody, we do have room to give, given the balance sheet we have, given the state of demand, given the competition out of South America. That, that's another discussion. But yeah, that, that uh, ultimately is going to become a hot button in these next couple of weeks as we get into these key development stages. Jake, how's this playing out in the feed world? Well, we're not seeing it reflected quite as dramatically in the feed world, especially on the basis side. I mean, obviously, the, the run up in futures is is being felt in cash prices, uh, new crop wise. But basis on corn has been stagnant here for a while. There's still been some risk premium built in there. I haven't seen any increase in risk premium yet. Our folks to the western half of the U.S., all of our rail dependent markets still stand to benefit from, as Mike noted, this easing of drought in the uh, plain states there. That's where a lot of their product comes from, and they've been catching some timely rain. So um, we haven't seen basis pop there. Um, we have the Midwest still being uh, fairly quiet on new crop offers on corn out to the dairy producer and other uh, end users. It's been interesting in the old crop realm there where we've seen the roll from July to September futures. Now you're starting to see these 130 to 150 basis numbers. That's just that huge spread between the two futures months. But folks do seem to be getting a little bit aggressive as far as putting out higher bids as ethanol plants and, and that sort of thing, trying to get the last bit of corn here for the tail end of summer so that if this crop does burn up and lose a significant portion of the yield, uh, they'll have enough to get through to harvest until some new grain starts to hit the pipeline. On the protein side, we had seen canola 
basis numbers really drift lower there in April and part of May, and they've since kind of flatlined well within what I would call the historically average range or very near to the high end of the range in a lot of places. Soybean meal was a little slower to respond, but over the last couple of weeks, we have seen uh, some soybean meal numbers drop $5, $10 a ton on the basis front there. Um, so I think those are actually some pretty attractive numbers. We've been out here encouraging folks to, you know, maybe get a little bit of their their October to March protein needs bought up uh, with basis down here again towards historically average ranges and futures down towards the low end of an 18 month range. Uh, so a little bit of activity on that front. Otherwise, on the feed side, Really, we've been trying to just manage these futures. We we had quite a few folks get in there and cover some topside risk with corn, December corn down around that $5 mark and uh, be patient on the basis for new crop for a moment. It'll start to uh, it'll start to get a little interesting. As Mike said, over the next couple of weeks, we get into some critical stages. If we don't start to catch some rain, then we'll we'll have to start to take some of these stronger basis numbers with a little bit of risk premium in them and, and put them on the books, I think so. We're not there yet. Jake, with dairy prices heading south fast, um, how does that factor into the equation around decision-making for feed procurement nearby and on a medium-term basis? Uh, it certainly makes these folks a lot more reluctant to just lock in a cash price. They've got to have the downside open if they're going to do anything um, because right now, break-even is tough if it's there at all. And so these guys are... Uh, even with the the break in in cash feed values over the last couple months, milk seems to have run lower quicker, and so the profitability is just not there. So they've got to have some open opportunity to the downside in this feed market if they're going to do anything. It's a real tricky situation, Mike. Right? Because you know, if it doesn't rain in the next two weeks, let's say, you know, you don't want to be exposed to higher corn prices if that materializes, but you don't want to be locked in at you know. 550 if the market's going to five, right? So what do you see price-wise unfolding over the next couple of weeks? Well, I think you're going to have a lot of choppy trade ahead of this June 30th acreage report. There's still some discussion out there about what the wet spring in the Dakotas meant, um, specifically North Dakota. Some analysts guessing maybe a half a million acres lost there. Um, you know, you couple that with with some yield loss and uh, it, you know, people are pretty excited about what that June 30th number could be. So I'd expect some uh, choppier trade. Obviously weather forecasts are gonna be played out hour by hour, day by day. Um, every ounce of rain they put in the forecast will weigh on price while any uh, you know drying of that forecast uh, puts premium back into this. And we're seeing that you know already this week with the up and down nature of the forecast, We've had an equally up and down trade uh, in the market, but the bias being mostly upward because of some of that lost yield potential that's in everybody's mind right now. So I would look for sideways choppy, very volatile, but slightly upward trade over the course of the next couple of weeks. Not to make light of the situation, but it does get fun when you have competing weather models. You know, the noon run of this said this and the European model said that. 
and uh, we kind of twist ourselves into knots every day in the marketplace. Yeah, no, no doubt. It is a, a wrestling match of fundamentals right now, and it's always interesting to see which one is on top at the moment because it seems to you know go back and forth quite quickly. Um, as, as, as we get out into uh, the end of June, though, we will have a pretty good grasp because of the early stage of this crop uh, to ultimately see where we're going to be. We'll be able to frame this thing up pretty well uh, by way of weather forecasts out into the mid part of July and uh, where the crop sits at the moment. So these next couple weeks are going to be very interesting. Thanks, guys. That's a wrap for this week's show. Thanks to the stats crew at EverAg Insights for the data and charts. Kudos to Corey, our coordinating producer, for making the trains run on time. And thanks especially to Paige, our media magician, for making us look good. Before we go, I'd like to invite you to check out the new EverAg Insights portal at insights.ever.ag. There you can find all our publications and links to past episodes of The Grain Feed and a whole lot more. Last but not least, thanks to you, our viewers, for tuning in. As Jim likes to say, we love your feedback. Contact information is on the screen.